Hello and welcome to Contramundum. Today we are discussing the situation on the border in Texas. Uh, Governor Greg Abbott uh, is violating a Supreme Court order to allow the Border Patrol to remove the barriers uh, at Eagle Pass and a few other places. And the Biden administration has given him a 24-hour ultimatum, which should be up in you know just a few minutes here, actually. Uh, so we're going to see what happens. Something is happening. Uh, Something is happening. Uh, I'm Andrew Isker, and here is uh, the other host of Contramundum, CJ Engel. Hello, CJ. How are you? Good. Ready to to do this. We just got done talking with the American Reformer guys. Um, theirs is pre-recorded, so uh, we get more live action here. But it's going to be interesting because, yeah, like you said, it's expiring right now. And so, uh, uh, what's the Biden administration going to do next? Hopefully, they walk away with the tail between their legs. We'll see. We shall see. Yes, um, it, you know it, it's it's interesting because um, this this ultimatum. I mean, we mentioned it uh, earlier when we were uh, with American Reformer, but like an ultimatum is it's weird, it's bizarre that they would issue you know a public ultimatum. Do this in twenty four hours, or there's going to be consequences. Well, if you, yeah. Normally, they don't do that kind of stuff. Normally, those things happen behind closed doors, and. Um, you know, if, if you have actual leverage that you're willing to employ. Yeah. And so it seems like, okay, what are they actually going to do? Are they going to say, all right, all of your federal highway funding, that's being cut by executive. Can they even do that? I don't even know. I mean, the question of can they even do that is an, an odd one too, because they the do Abbott, whatever they want until they, until they yeah. are told I mean, they can't. But the Abbott administration didn't even respond to it, did they? Or, or did no. that? Yeah. So the letter preceded the ultimatum. The letter preceded the ultimatum, and yeah, yeah. So um, they just they just ignored it. <laughs> sorry, I, I didn't get your email. It's like yes. that. <laughs> I was sorry, I was golfing. What, what's going on? <laughs> I was out of the office. Uh, yeah, that that's yeah. It's it's a sign that. of weakness. It's a sign of weakness. I mean, the administration, yeah. the, the Biden administration. Um, it's a sign of like just desperate weakness where they're shouting into the void. You know, you guys better do this. It's like, okay, who cares? Who are you again? You know, it's so that's that's the type of attitude that we need. I mean, these federal government people are not in a position of strength um, and they need to realize that not only does Abbott need to realize that, but all these other governors need to grow a spine and realize that. And they need to follow up their, um, you know, their letters of, um, you know, of adherence with actual action. You know, they yeah. need to they need to stand by the guns, which is something the Republican Party is notoriously bad at. But maybe for the first time, they'll do something when they can see just how weak the Biden administration is. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I mean, we, we kind of game planned this out a little bit uh, two was it two weeks ago, three weeks ago now with with Josh Abitoy on a previous uh, episode where um, they had just uh, they had there just was another motion filed before the SCOTUS that was going to be accepted apparently. Um, and, and it's like, okay, how, where does it go from here? I, I, I was somewhat skeptical of Abbott. I thought like this guy's been, been pretty weak throughout his term as governor. Uh, and he's, he's going to back down, right? I thought like, more, the most likely scenario he's going to back down. Cause and that's, that's a fair, you know, a fair thing to assume because they've always backed down. Republicans always have backed down in these these circumstances, but instead he's doubled down every step of the way, and and so now it's it's reaching a, a sort of you know, crunch time where, all right, well, say the what is the Biden administration going to do? What do you, what, I mean? What do you think, CJ? What what is this ultimatum going to be? What are they going to say? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know exactly politically. They're in a really bad situation. 
Um, but but no. first first of all, I mean, it's election year, right? That's that's why they either come across as weak, or they come across as um, obviously sending in uh, government federal government resources to open the border and let like migrants come in and flood their own domestic you know, territory that they're yeah. uh, charged with protecting by the federal constitution. So yeah. that's a really bad place to be politically. Um, but on the other hand, um, it was just, I mean, the, the case is still going. The hearing is right yeah. before November, I think yeah. um, for, for, the, for the case. So I don't, I don't think we can say yet that we've seen, first of all, we haven't seen the last of this. Second of all, I don't think Abbott's really been under a lot of pressure yet. I mean, it was just it was just a, a single decision that the the federal government um, was allowed to put up or, or to take down um, the fencing. That's it. That's the only thing that happened so far. So, I mean, the real test is still yet to come. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, the fact that all of these state governors have supported Texas um, actually really helps the case in the Supreme Court, even though like, obviously that's not going to make its way into the actual oral arguments before the Supreme Court. They still feel the political pressure of all of these states saying, no, something needs to be done. The country is being invaded. This is an mm -hmm. invasion, right? If, mm -hmm. if, you know, a bunch of unarmed people, you know, go and take an unscheduled tour of the Capitol building a couple of years ago, and that's called an insurrection. Well, then this definitely is an invasion, mm -hmm. right? It is like foreign people occupying space in your country unlawfully, right? That's an invasion. Or even just looking at how, how people talked about the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, right? Mm -hmm. The exact same rhetoric, right? And it's this, it's the same thing Foreign people coming in, in, into your, by the millions, there's yeah. way more, way more people that have invaded the United States than Russia sent to invade Ukraine. Uh, yeah. That's what's occurring. Yeah, and exactly. So, and and that's and that's a clause in the Constitution that that Abbott invoked uh, in his in his statement yesterday, which is um, under under the Constitution, if a state is invaded, the state has the power to repel the invasion. They don't have to wait for the federal government to do it. That's the whole reason the state signed up for the Constitution in the first place to get the assurances. That if the federal government doesn't repel an invasion of their state for whatever reason, they still have the sovereignty to be able to do it themselves. Yeah, let's, so let's good question. Yeah, but let's, let's read yeah. it for the yeah, audio. Okay, so the, it's it just says, um, can we discuss the reasoning behind Republicans rejecting the border funding bill recently? Was it because of uh, Ukraine? I hear a lot of people saying this could have been avoided, but I'm not convinced. So yes, the bill is full of all kinds of uh, disastrous things. Uh, that's how these bills are done. They're like they're like teased out and they're full of, uh, you know, funding for a whole bunch of other things and bad ideas in order to play political gotcha games later on, which is exactly what's happening now. But the ultimate question is, this has actually has nothing to do with the funding. This has to do with whether or not the um, the federal government is allowed to come in and tear down uh, wiring that was put up. Well, yeah, that's and, that's, and, that's that's the question. Right and beyond now. that, it's not even I mean, it's not even a question of does the Border Patrol have adequate funding to to enforce the border? Um you know, probably not because they need a lot more, but even just to do the things that they should be doing at this point, the Biden administration is not allowing them to do it, right? They're not allowing deportations. Yeah, exactly. They're, 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 and they're ordering them to open up these, these yeah, this has, points of entry. It has nothing to do with funding. I mean, the federal government is, is expending resources to try to make sure the, the border is open. Yes, exactly. And yeah. so, so the question itself is not one of, of funding necessarily, although, you know, the Congress and Thomas Massey had a tweet about this, that they, that the, 
the House could solve it just by tying funding to the Border Patrol to enforcement, right? Mm-hmm. You could you could do that. The will in the Congress is absolutely not there to do that, however, and that's that's the problem. But uh, popularly, uh, you know, the, the people want this. This is an incredibly popular issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, over sixty percent of the country want wants mass deportations, which right. is is something you know. If you told me that twenty years ago, you know, when we were in like college, if you would have said to me, "Yeah, um, uh, immigration is going to be the biggest issue in the country, and the, and sixty percent of the country wants wants mass deportations," I would have said, "No way." There's no way. Yeah. Yeah. This is exactly Precisely. What, this is what I was saying is like the, the, the policy, it has nothing to do with funding. It has to do with the fact that um, the federal government is ordering them to take down uh, the, the wire that they put up. So that's, that's yeah. kind of what's, what's going on here. So yeah, border patrol says they have the resources, but policy is preventing them from using it. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's a hundred percent it. And, and this follow up here from the new Christendom. Uh, so even if, uh, the funding would have passed. It would have made no difference whatsoever. Exactly. Because you, you saw this video of Mitt Romney, who's usually a pretty cool customer, getting pretty fiery, getting pretty <laughs> angry, um, and and saying, this is just all Donald Trump. He's trying to make this issue that in order to get elected. We could solve it, right? Which is which <laughs> is a complete still, lie. He's still mad that he was passed over. <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. He, yeah. Hates, he hates Trump. And, <laughs> and, 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 and a lot of it is, like, what's he talking about? He's talking about, like, the Lankford deal. That's mm-hmm. that's it. Where they're going to amnesty millions of people, yeah. right? And Trump Trump torpedoed it. He he shot it down. It's like good, good. You're a snake that hates our country and is actively fighting against the people of our country. I want you to be mad. So seeing Mitt Romney angry, it's a good day. It's that's a very good day. good day when you see him angry. Yeah. Um. And and so that, and it's the same thing with the funding of the border. Oh no, that it has nothing to do with that at all. Um. Yes, this is an, another good point in the chat here. Uh. From Altec, uh, there are more effective things Abbott could be doing to repel invasion, like attacking orgs, feeding, employing, and housing invaders. Is he just starting his 2028 presidential run? I don't. I mean, maybe. I mean, some of this does feel like he's auditioning for the presidency. Like you, you saw the pictures. He's he's going to in, like he's in India right now with Modi. Right? Why <laughs> right. is a governor right. of a state doing the? Why do they do this stuff? I mean, it's like Ron DeSantis going to Israel, right? Mm-hmm. Why do they do it? Because they want to be president. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's what maybe that's just what it's all about. It's all political theater, right? Maybe, possibly. Um, but you're you're right. The what they should be doing is you should take Bill Paxton. Is it Bill pa- Ken Paxton? Bill Paxton is the actor. Ken Paxton, the attorney general who is great, and the the uniparty in Texas hated him and tried to impeach him. Mm-hmm. Just sick him on all the NGOs that are that are bringing them here because. Right. You have it's not just people from Central America that have walked there. You have you have tens of thousands of people from China, from from Africa, from the Middle East coming in and, and somehow they get to Mexico, to the U.S. southern border. Well, how does that happen? Who's who's paying for it? Who is mm-hmm. doing these things? Exactly. That's this is the point that I made You know, when we were on before. Um this is why like people like Orban have been so successful in their immigration policy because they've attacked things at the root. You know, you don't yeah. just put up a wall. I mean, putting up a wall is fine, whatever, but that doesn't actually address the core issue, which is that there are international interests at play that are fun, uh, funding and fueling and facilitating the transfer of all these people across the world to these yeah. borders. Um, so these, these are financiers. They're like, re- they, they conglomerate resources and spend them uh, in certain ways to get these people here. I mean, all this is really, um, explicitly outlined in, in Michelle Malkin's book. Did you read that one? 
the uh, Open Borders Incorporated. Oh, yeah, uh, I haven't yet. I've heard of it. Yeah, I highly recommend that. I mean, she lays bare, you know, all the different NGOs and organizations and charities um, and nonprofits that are all involved in this thing. It's a very lucrative business uh, for these people, and they're profiting from it. And, and it's millions, hundreds of millions of tax dollars. Yeah, hundreds. Of, it's not. Yeah, it's hundreds of millions of tax dollars being used. Um, but it's also like you know, people need to sit back and think. Do you know how hard it is to walk like with your like if anyone has small children to walk a hundred miles with them? Walk ten you miles know? with your kids. Yeah, it's like these people stuff. are these people are traveling thousands of miles. They yeah. are being funded. They're poor. They don't have the resources to do this themselves. This is obviously orchestrated, and you have to be you have to have nefarious interests if you're denying this kind of thing. Yeah, if I wanted to take a plane ticket right right now, take a plane ticket from Mexico City to somewhere in Africa. I couldn't, I couldn't just take that money out of my bank account and do it. Like, I don't have the money to, to do that myself. And, you know, I have a job and, 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 you know, good income and things like that. You, you probably can't either. Like, we can't just, I don't have the resource to do that myself. And I'm a first world American. And here you have, you know, people from the third world that, you know, the, the per capita GDP of these places is like hundreds of dollars. Right, mm -hmm. that's how much the average, the median income of these places makes is a hundred, few hundred dollars a year. How are they getting here? How are they able to spend thousands of dollars on plane tickets and get into get into Mexico to, to do this, and then and then be able to have food and and water and resources to walk hundreds <laughs> of miles to the border? Right, Some, someone's facilitating all of this stuff. This mm -hmm. isn't just organic. This isn't yeah. just a bunch of people fleeing war torn wherever to come to America for asylum. That's not what is going on. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the lie that we're being told constantly, but you don't, you don't get from Africa or China or from the Middle East to the Southern border of the United States, just, just randomly. Yeah. That's just not what happened. Just fleeing. Yeah. 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 Do you know, do you know, do you know enough to answer this question? Yeah. What is the Texas chain of command uh, look like with the Texas national guard where the chances they've become federalized, thus ending Texas's defiance. Um, yeah. I mean, ordinarily it's the governor that's at the top. Uh, yeah. But if they are federalized, then they're part of the DOD structure. And that's one of the threats that has been offered um, from the Biden administration is they'll just federalize the National Guard. And and it's like, I mean, that's a huge step to do mm -hmm. that. I mean, a massive escalation on the part of the regime if they go that course. Um, but it's possible. I mean, this is what we said you know, two weeks ago with, with Abitoy is – they have a tremendous amount of power and they they always double down. They always double. They don't. They, these people do not back down on anything, especially in an issue this consequential. Like it, the this is the centerpiece to their entire globalist political project. It's filling the United States with tens of millions of, of foreign people from from third world countries. That's 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 what they want. Right. That mm -hmm. is at the very center of, of all of their designs. And so any resistance, and again, this is really small resistance, right? He's closed two main points of entry mm -hmm. uh, for illegals to come in. It's, I mean, some people maybe in their minds think that there are, there are just, you know, tanks and Bradleys and Humvees stretched out all across the, the Texas border with the Texas National Guard. That's not what's going on. It'd be great if it was, but it's not. It's two spots on the Rio Grande where people are, are, are fording across or swimming across and that they've closed off with razor wire. That's mm -hmm. it. And and so if he if he federalizes the Texas National Guard, that is such a massive massive escalation 
And, and, and all of it, I mean, this is what Abbott has forced, is forcing them to own it. Forcing them to own because they just lied about this the whole time. It's just like the, 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 oh, it's not happening, but it's good that it is, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's, that's their immigration policy writ large is, oh, no, there's not an invasion. Biden has secured the border. What are you talking about? There's no invasion. This is, you, you've been li- listening to too much Fox News, right? That's not, it's not happening. And meanwhile, it's totally happening, and they're doing everything they can to make sure that it does happen. And so right, if he federalizes the National Guard in Texas – and then all the other states that are, are calling their guard as well, because I think a few of them, like like Oklahoma, um, Arkansas, Arkansas yeah. um, I, I think I think even Florida, uh, DeSantis mm-hmm. is is uh, right. I mean, we'll we'll get to. We don't have time on this episode to discuss uh, DeSantis. Well, yeah, we do. Now that he's the I, governor again, like we we should. I mean, this is he's pretty good. Uh, this, yeah, this is what. I've been saying this, like he needs to be in Florida. This is exactly what we need Ron DeSantis to do, not for run for federal um, office. He needs to be protecting Florida because you can create yep. a, uh, you know, there, there's some sort of like self-reinforcing uh, atmosphere that can be created when you have these states working together like this. This is a, this is extremely useful for Ron to do, uh, not pursue the presidency. Yeah. So this is where Ron needs to be. And I think yeah. we're going to see him. This uh, is yeah. 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 We're going to see him reclaim his, uh, his fate, his COVID fame. Yeah. I think so with this issue, um, this question, have you, um, on, uh, on Scott Adams' tweets, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen, seen them either. So maybe, maybe, maybe in a later episode, we'll we'll get to that. We'll take a look at those. Um, I was interested in this one too. So I don't. It says federalization can only happen if the governor signs off. Uh, I didn't yeah. know that. I didn't know I didn't that. Either. So yeah, yeah, that's, no, that's yeah. Forge and Anvil is is ex military, so he knows. Uh, he know he knows the details there better better than we do. So that I mean, if he does, I mean, I think there's a process though where they are able to take unilateral control without the consent of the governor. I, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Um, the uh, this is uh, this is a good question. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily possible. Seth Thompson, uh, if Trump gets elected, could he decide not to enforce the Civil Rights Act? This seems like a double-edged sword. Um, nominally, I guess he could. Well, but the problem is the power yeah. structure in D.C. and the bureaucracy and everything else. They're not going to listen to him when he if he well, signs executive order not to do this. It. Is the thing like so? People say that Trump's going to be a dictator, but so so much of, of the um, the infrastructure required to enforce all these terrible things are all creations of the executive branch. And so he has the, the federal constitutional and executive power to override anybody. He's the head. He, so yeah. constitutionally, he's allowed to do this. I mean, the, the, the things they're claiming about dictatorship and all these things are completely constitutionally legitimate. They they were created by executive fiat. They could be ended by executive fiat, not the Civil Rights Act itself. Right. That was legislation. The but all the, all the enforcement mechanisms, it's all executive branch. Yeah. I mean, what he would have to do. I mean, I mean, we can get into the, the dictator stuff and things like that. And, and just the bureaucracy in general is I mean, he would have to fire everyone. In order right. to accomplish that, and if he did, I mean, it would be like Andrew Johnson in uh, in his in his term. That's that's more or less what he did. He he appointed people and and executed policy that the that the Congress did not, the radical Republicans of Congress didn't want, and they impeached him over it. Mm-hmm. And so if he if if day one he goes in and he says everyone in the Department of Justice is fired, <laughs> you fired, yeah, uh, and. And he's like, we're gonna we're gonna hire we're gonna hire people back that are loyal to our country, right? He would they the impeachment would begin immediately, mm-hmm. right? And they and they maybe would be able to remove him over doing that. Like that's that's part of it too. Mm-hmm. Like you have to understand, right? At that 
that simply wouldn't be, and it doesn't matter who it would be. Like, and this is always the argument with like the DeSantis people and, you know, uh, God bless them. But if, if Ron was, was the guy that everybody would want him to be right. And we, we take, we take all of our cynicism glasses off and we just, we just drink the DeSantis Kool-Aid and we're like, yep, he's the guy he's going to, he's going to be super shrewd and wheel and deal in DC. Right. He would run into the exact same obstacles. Right? This is the thing that, that I always said with Trump is I, I view Trump as if, Imagine if, if Ron Paul got elected president in, in 2012, mm-hmm. right? Imagine what would happen if Ron Paul was elected president, right? Mm-hmm. He, tried to, he tried to enact policy in D.C. What would they do to him? <laughs> well, yeah, they would maybe kill him. But, um, but short, barring that, if they didn't, what would they, what would they, do, what would they have done? They yeah. would, there would have been a court, you know, immediately there'd be injunctions from myriad federal courts saying every executive order that he's done is, is unlawful. And um, if he tried to fire people at the DOJ or the Department of Defense or Treasury or whoever else, uh, they would they would remove him from office. Yeah. So how do you so how do you end the deep state? Um, <laughs> See, you have good question. This is this is, yeah. this is what I was saying. You know, earlier, it's like you you can't be restrained. I mean, the, so the Constitution restrains people from doing what it takes to end the the deep state. The yeah. Constitution restrains you from actually doing anything. You have yep. to supersede it. I mean, this is yep. this is like the, the paradox of our time is you have to assume control and you have to exercise power and authority in a way that's basically unconstitutional in order to end the unconstitutional uh, scenario that we're in. Yeah, Cons- yeah. Conservatives, I, I, conservatives I hate to hear it. Yeah, that's that, the reality. That's, that, that is the reality. And and you're not I mean, the, the const- it's the, the same question is if the Constitution created the system that we have today then the constitution is a monstrous document or if it didn't create the situation we have today it was powerless to stop it right that is that is the question right mm-hmm. and and so and people don't want to hear that right because we we venerate the constitution and it, brilliant document i i want to i want it to be that constitutional order we once had cj wants that we all want that but um it is it's it's if any if it's doing anything if it has any power or force today it's to prevent a restoration of the original system that we had. Mm-hmm. That's how it exists, and so right the the means to you know throttle the deep state is is state power, right? Um, that that's it. It's it's men like DeSantis and Greg Abbott, um, using the power that is vested in them to oppose the regime. Mm-hmm. Right. This that's where the battle line is. And it, I mean, again, it's good to have an executive that is going to be a thorn in the side of it that is rendered, you know, basically toothless. That's that's the whole case for Trump is you have someone in there that just isn't going to play ball with them and continue to continue to do the things that they want. Right. That that's an obstacle to their power. But you're not going to get anything positive out of that largely. Right. Right. right? There, there's not going to be any advancement. It's only a defensive measure. Right. The the offense has to be at the state level. And, and that's what we're seeing. And so, you know, to the um, uh, right here, right. The answer, uh, the answer to the video tagline question. No, we, let's get into let's get into that question. Right. Is has the Civil War begun? Is that what's going on? Are we having is, is the Civil War going to happen? Is that what's going on here, CJ? No, <laughs> no, it's it's not. It's um, 
it's it's so it's so tiny compared to what it would take to actually have a civil war and i think a civil war is basically inconceivable with the yeah. i mean the civil war is not the product of like basic disagreements a civil war is a product of irreconcilable power centers that can't that can't that are unable to continue coexisting with each other i mean that's and at the end of the day everybody benefits from avoiding civil war and so there's going to be yeah. no civil war no and and i think people have to understand that America in 1860 is is like a, a totally it's like another planet compared mm -hmm. to today. You you don't have sovereign states with with way more power than they have now, and you had a much 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 weaker federal government in 1860 than you do now, where you actually had had you know almost equal players in some senses, right? Mm -hmm. You don't you don't have that today. You don't have secession movements in every state. I mean, maybe, maybe you could from these kinds of things, yeah. right? But that would take a generation to, to form and coalesce and build up, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have executives. You, I mean, just just the fact that DeSantis, like, everyone lauded DeSantis, and I think rightfully so, for the opposition he took to the federal government over in his time as governor, right? That's a, like a drop in the bucket compared to what was occurring in the, in the early 1800s with the states, Right, the kind of sovereignty that they wielded compared mm -hmm. to what 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 we have now, which we think is like the greatest thing ever. It's like that's tiny compared yeah. to what was there, what there was. So it's you're not going to have, you know, DeSantis and 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 Abbott and Sarah Huckabee Sanders, you know, um, you know, donning uh, uniforms of the new, you know, the new old United States uh, and and having armies out in the field fighting against the the, the United States government. Like that's that's not going to happen. Um, I, I, I hope, hopefully I haven't burst any fantasies there and made, made people mad, but that's, yeah. that's not what's going to happen. Yeah. But I, I, so I, I do think that most, I don't think that most people imagine that as, as characteristic of a new civil war. Um, but I, I think it is possible. It is, it is conceivable of a scenario where the power, the power groups that are clashing, um, their interests are so irre irreconcilable that they have to, uh, things get heightened. You know that the, yeah. there are standoffs, you know, and things like that. Um, yeah, there'll be there'll be stand. I think yeah, you're right. I think there there are standoffs, but it's 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 like this proxy civil war more right. than it is. Just like there's not going to be a World War Three because you don't really have superpowers anymore where they right. would be on the same on the same place, uh, you know, where they'd be peers of each other. Um, what you have is you have Russia or China or the United States fighting proxy civil wars in, in various domains, various smaller conflicts where they take the side. I mean, Syria was an example of this, where the United States and Russia were in, in, in some sense at war with each other, just like Ukraine is this way, where the United States and, and NATO and, uh, is, is fighting Russia, but not officially, right? No. American troops aren't shooting at Russian troops, just like in, I mean, you have that even a little bit more in Syria, actually. But um, that, those are the kinds of conflicts that occur like on the geopolitical stage, and so domestically, it's going to be standoffs like this. It's going to be fights over various issues. And the, the right is just beginning to, to take action like this, right? That's the heartening thing. That's the exciting thing about this is there's actually conflict. There's actual opposition. It isn't just, you know, it isn't just statements and lawsuits. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're going to sue the federal government. Well, good for you. You're mm -hmm. going to go to federal court to sue the federal government, right? So, yeah. well, good luck with that. Right? No, you have to actually exercise power and say, "I don't care. We're going to do we're going to do what is within our rights to do as a state." Mm -hmm. um, that that has to be the way forward. And 
And I mean, I don't know what's going to come of this. I, at, at some point, someone is going to have to back down. Yeah. That is, um, that's what's going to happen. Like someone is going to back down. Either Texas does or the federal government does. Someone's going to have to back down and say, try to save face. Yeah. And I mean, at the same, like on one hand, it's an election year. The right now, as of today, the issue of the campaign is immigration. And the Democrats, Biden, all of them, they don't want it to be immigration, right? Mm -hmm. They are as obviously as weak as they can be on this issue, right? They want it to be on abortion, mm -hmm. right? You see that like Biden, he had gave this thing on abortion. Oh, we're going to, you know, he gave some rambly thing about uh, the power of you know women, blah, blah, blah. And it's like they, they want it to be on that. Uh, they don't want it to be on immigration at all. It, and, and it, it is. It's unavoidable. Yeah. It's unavoidable. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think just politically, they're going to have to back down in some way so they can cool it off. So it's no longer, uh, no longer this huge issue. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's the, the, the entire point. Just like in order to not be weak right now, they, they, they basically have to give up their chances in 2024. <laughs> if, you know, if they don't want to appear weak, it's, it's yeah. a really bad situation that they're in. They are um, over a barrel for sure. This, yeah. this point here, I, I want you to talk about CJ, uh, a side note, Abbott is not the lesser magistrate, as many have said. Constitutionally, he is the greater magistrate. Uh, what do you what do you think there? Do you, which do you agree? Which, which constitution? Which constitution? Yeah. <laughs> so, but like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, in the original constitution, you know, for sure. I mean, these the, the federal government is the product of of the state uh, coalescing around um, a single need, um, you know, to for self defense. Basically, that was the original constitution. Is is the states were basically the initiating party of the entire uh, process. Now, however, um, obviously, in terms of realpolitik and just a realistic uh, analysis of power, um, the state governors are at the behest of, of Washington. Um, that's just that's the structure that's been created for us. This was even this was even prior to uh, the civil rights. Uh, revolution. This this was largely like a managerial New Deal revolution. Everything was changed during the Progressive Era. So, in terms of actual clash of political interests, um, Abbott is the lesser magistrate, and he has to become a man of history. I mean, that's the, that's the only way to reassert the original Constitution. You basically have to undermine um, the the current uh, constitutional structure, which is nationalistic and centralized. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. This is this is another good question here from uh, Man, hopefully I'm pronouncing it right, right here. Mance Jolly. Uh, based on a thing like this, how factional are the elite? Is this even real opposition? That's a yeah. really, really good question. Yeah, that's so that's that is the question. Um, I think that they're less factional than they like to pretend that they are. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, they want to save their own hide. Nobody yeah. wants to um, be a hero, really. I mean, people want to be reelected, but that's not a, that's not really factional. Well, I mean, even beyond the, the elected uh, politicians, uh, I mean, you see like and maybe this is part of the question. Like you see, I don't know if you saw, CJ, the the video of Jamie Dimon at uh, the World Economic Forum, basically almost conceding that, well, Trump is like Biden is a disaster. Trump is probably going to win. And we need to we need to we need to make our peace with that is largely you know what he said. Right. And so if they're conceding this, right. And this is. Yeah. But Trump was pro diamond. They were on the same was. team. Yeah. They, well, he was. But I man, mean, I, are those factions within the, the elite right there? The ones they that spent, are they comfortable. Yeah. There are, there are factional wars going on too. The, but the other thing is um, 
like in terms of like this this festering out into like civil war, I don't think they're that much of a faction. No, 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 not like that. No, I, I would agree. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's it's like I I, I don't want to get sucked into these electoral skirmishes. Um. Yeah. You know, like at the end of the day, the regime is the regime, and it is a uniparty. We need to stick with that. Yeah. Um. That's that's the way these things are played. And look at look at how Abbott behaved during COVID. You know. Like this, so he's not, he's not, a, he's not a man of history. I don't think, I don't think he's, I don't think it's going to go that far. This is so early in the game. Um, <laughs> optimism is cowardice. So, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. <laughs> I think that analysis is good. Although it does open up space for the actual men of history to emerge. No, for sure. Like they, they have to be really careful here because, you know, things, you know, when you have momentum and it's not controllable, this is the what the Republican Party has always had to do. This was their function in mm-hmm. the post-war world is yeah. they had to absorb that energy. They yeah. have to pretend like they're taking care of business. They're opposing the Democratic Party. Otherwise, things get out of control. And people take things into their own hands. So yeah. they have to play. They have to straddle the line between opposition party and regime team player. Yeah, they're they're the release valve for the system. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what they've always been. Like you see this. Um, with the Tea Party in 2008, 2009, that, that whole thing, um, and, and you know Ron Paul's thing kind of emerged out of that, right? What did they immediately do? They glom onto it, and they adopt the rhetoric, and then they either do nothing, or they actually come out on the side of the regime, but in a way where they can pretend that they're on the side of you know, this populist outrage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's what Reagan was, right? An actual analysis of Reagan's same thing, mm-hmm. right? There's this this uh, populist American outrage over the system, mm-hmm. uh, and this conservative backlash of of normal Americans. And what does he do? Right, he gets into office, and you know he amnesties uh, millions of illegals, and he expands the federal government, and and does all these. I mean, and, and in some ways, Trump's the same way. Like this is. Right, the desant the desantoids that are listening to this hate listening, uh, probably. Uh, <laughs> right, and, and once they have a point, right? Pedro, yeah, I mean, like Trump Pedro's things, you know, yeah, Pedro's like Pedro went nuts, <laughs> poor Pedro, but he was right. I mean, Trump, Trump really did uh, a really bad job on him, things like immigration, and he, had, I mean, yeah. and this is why Ann Coulter's fed up with him. Um, I think things could be like hypothetically. You know, if if I were if people were advising Trump to be radical, they would advise him to to, to wait until the second term to do those things. So that mm-hmm. kind of does make sense. But mm-hmm. again, like you know, tr- at the end of the day, Trump is a cosmopolitan liberal from New York. Mm-hmm. He loves the system. He loves the post-war consensus. Yeah, yeah, he's he's operated within the system for 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 a long time. the 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 big thing in bringing back Trump and and supporting it is that he is beside him, you know, outside of the man himself and his ambitions and goals and everything else he is an obstacle to the regime whether he wants to be or not mm-hmm. right? that's how they view him and mm-hmm. and so that's that's the big case for him is not that he is he is he, al- you know, he also he also builds the momentum in terms of like like even if he does nothing people are like all right well trump did nothing we need somebody even more radical right so like he just continues mm-hmm. to build that and um that's that's healthy oh this is <laughs> <laughs> this is funny. If there's a civil war in the U.S., there are a few thousand poor volunteers. Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, that's that's the thing that I've that I've said is. I mean, we 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 discussed this. Maybe I don't know if we did it on the show, uh, but maybe privately we discussed this, where it's like uh, I would be like the you know I want an immigration moratorium except for 
except for the Boers in South Africa, right? They can have asylum because they're being murdered on, on their farms and, and things like that. Right. Um, but uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Duet Martins. Uh, there's not going to be a civil war in the United States. Uh, so thank you. <laughs> thank you for your support, but that's not going to happen. And we're not going to, and, and I, I, I just, I think it's, it's, um, it is so, I mean, even just the unlikelihood of it, like, like CJ said earlier, it would be such a disaster because you don't have any kind of organized force, right? You don't have states with their own militaries that are going to. Well, it's not even that we don't want fight. it to happen. That's kind of a separate topic, but I don't see because civil war is a clash of you know, like power centers and the power centers don't want it. So therefore yeah. it can't happen. Yeah. And that, that gets back to the question in the chat mm. earlier about like factions within the elite, right? In other words, you know, there's probably, uh, in other words, our faction is not among the power elite. Yeah, there, there isn't one. There isn't a faction of our, our people. There isn't, you know, a huge, you know, huge banking system or something that supports our people. I mean, that's, that's part of, that's part of like the U.S. Civil War is, right. There was a power center. I mean, it was, people are, oh, it was about slavery and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, states right. It's like, no, you had, you had Northern interests, Northern economic interests that were being subverted by the South, mm -hmm. right? They didn't, and, and this is the most interesting thing about this, the U.S. Civil War is the push to like the, the order of the bombing of Fort Sumter did not happen, right? All these states secede and all of this. And, and it was an open question of whether they were going to allow it or not. Mm -hmm. But the, U the cabinet didn't meet and say, yes, Lincoln, go ahead and bomb Fort Sumter until the Confederate Constitution came out and it said zero tariffs. Yeah. Or, or there's, yeah, we're not going to have any, any tariffs you know, with uh, foreign countries. We're going to have total free trade with, with England and France and Germany and so forth. Right. That's when they're like, all right, gloves are off. We're going in. Right. It was, it's an economic war. Yeah. Right. Because the, the South, they wanted they wanted this free trade um, because they didn't have the industrial operation that the North had. And the mm. North wanted to have right this this mercantilist economic zone in the United States. Right. That's mm. what the war like. Ultimately, why did they why did it happen? Why did they fight? Right. That's why. I mean, all the other issues. Yeah. Are obviously compound. Right. Why did they secede? Right. Well, of course, over the issue of slavery. But why did the war happen itself? Right? It's it's because you had two blocks of economic interests, political and economic interests, that were totally at loggerheads. Mm -hmm. That's why there was a war, mm -hmm. right? And 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 it's it's like basic you know basic analysis. Uh, but people don't you know they don't want to get into that because they want to you know moralistic issues and ideological issues over slavery and so forth. Yeah. Um, but that that's what and so we don't have that right. There isn't this power block an economic and political power block in the United States. That's saying, this is our side. The evil people on the other side are doing this and, and opposing us, right? That 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 currently does not exist in the United States whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I also want to talk. I also want to talk about. You know, I mentioned to you before, like um, like the theological rationale for open borders, and just like how clearly you see that coming across from all the, you know, yes. the 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 infiltrated and subverted pastors and heads of you know seminaries and other institutions. I mean, that's um yeah it's the same yeah. thing yeah so exactly um they're all first of all yes we know how to take them now you know yeah. they, they they can continue to cry but we all, we're realizing now that um you know they're just basically they're slapping jesus labels on all of their leftist objectives and priorities that's all that's happening and it, it's obvious to everyone yeah, yeah that that mean like you saw the like the Bradley Mason tweet where he's like, "Oh, razor wire and children and how Christian is that or yeah. whatever." And I and I, yeah. you know, I just you know quote tweeted and say like, 
oh, if you bring your, along your children to do crimes, crime is legal. And <laughs> yeah. the, the tweet goes viral. Not as viral as your, your Baron <laughs> Trump tweet, but, uh, uh, but uh, yeah. because people are they're, – they're done with this. People get the game that they're playing, right? None of these people care what the Bible says about anything right. except when they can take it out of context and say, oh, the sojourner and the widow and Israel needs to care for them. And it's yeah. like, well, okay, like, like therefore read, you can't have a country anymore. Yeah. Read that in its context, right? Israel is this totally closed society where no one is allowed to own physical property, like other than Israelites that, and they're born <laughs> into it. Yeah. Right. Um, like ethno, and, it was, yeah, it was, it was like ethno nationalism, you know, perfected. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, literally blood and soil is what, what <laughs> the, the mosaic law was mm -hmm. in the system for Israel. And Right, foreigners, yeah, they could be there, but they had no political power whatsoever. None. Mm -hmm. None. They had no civil rights. Right. They could they could be there. People there's a there's a moral imperative to care for them and take care of them. But there isn't and, and and like you apply that if you're if you're the king of Judah and you know fifty thousand um you know Syri you know, people from Assyria come in and flood your borders, right? Are you going to say, oh, these are just sojourners and widows that we need to care for? Or are you going to say, this is, and, and most of them are male, yeah. <laughs> right? Whether they're armed or not, what, what would you view that as but an invasion force? Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. And where are they going to go? They can't own property here. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, exactly. Just, I mean, just to take that, I mean, it's so eisegetical when they do that. And, and people are onto this game, this little shell game that they play. Uh, it's, and, and, and that's what's heartening. Yeah. And is, and like, yeah. like, it depends on who you're talking to, but like, you you know, you could share the fact that there's a distinction between Jesus's commands to private Christian citizens, wherever they are, and um, the fact that Jesus obviously was not addressing civil magistrates. He was not giving it political advice to leaders of countries, obviously. But on the other hand, why would you even, you know, get bogged down in debates like that? You yeah. know? Yeah. Just make fun of these people. They have no idea what they're talking about. and They're just subversive. Yeah, exactly. That's all it is. And, and, and people, I think, are, are onto it. And and not playing these games anymore. But at the, at the same time, um, I, I think some of it too is that there is such a popular outcry against um, mass third world migration. I mean, sixty six percent of the country favor mass deportation. <laughs> right. right. I mean, I'm going to keep repeating that. Yeah. Not right? not you didn't say closing the border. You said deportation. Deportate. Yeah. Getting them out of here. Right, sixty six percent of the country is, is says yes, that's good. Um, where because you you look at you know the we, and we've talked about this, but we talked about it last week with the Alistair Begg stuff, right? You have you have the people on top in the in the evangelical hierarchy, and then they influence the the mid level pastors that have large churches, and those pastors influence all the pastors of the you know thousands and thousands of smaller churches, right? That's how influence works in evangelicalism, right? Mm -hmm. that, that's where they get their talking points from. Right in my little small town, uh, I remember in twenty, oh gosh, uh, twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen, there was kind of a controversy because one of the, one of the pastors had this like pro illegal immigration thing that he that he went off on, and and this is a very conservative small town, and um, and it's like people reacted you know strongly against that. But where was he getting these talking points from? Well, it's from the Gospel Coalition. It's from these popular – it's Russell Moore and all these popular pastors way above him in the hierarchy that, that trickle on down to him. And I think they're, they're afraid to, to say this stuff now because it is – many of them are, not all of them, right? David French and Russell Moore are going to continue you know, banging this drum. 
Uh, but it, it's become so unpopular that that they have to kind of shut up about it, mm-hmm. right? That's that's what's occurred. And so, yeah, you're going to have the Shane Claibornes and your Brad Masons and your you know various commie Christians that are going to keep keep going with this stuff. But they they get ratioed to the moon <laughs> whenever yeah. they do. And so, um, no, I, I think yeah, they things have definitely changed from even where things were at in 2016. Right, because you would you would have these guys crowing online all day long about the sojourner and the widow and the foreigner in your land and how and they, they and they become this very these very selective rush duties, right? Mm-hmm. They're very they're very theonomic on this like one issue. The Bible, the only thing the Bible is clear about is allowing third world mass migration, not allowing <laughs> having borders. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Homosexuality, very vague, uh, very, very vague. Yep. Who's to say? We don't really know. <laughs> uh, but borders very clear, right? That's that's their their view of perspicuity, uh, perspicuity of scripture, right? <laughs> it's just comical. It's it's, it's nuts, and yeah. and and so I think I think people are onto it. And that, but this is stuff you said, you know, repeatedly on on our show is the post war consensus and the church's role in the post war consensus is to to provide proof texts. For mm-hmm. the post-war consensus, mm-hmm. right? Just slap Bible verses on whatever they want to do, and and people are are wisening up to this, right? People see that no, actually, I mean, this is this is like Wolf's whole project is there's this huge stream of thought from from the reformers and even well before the reformers on, on politics and how nations exist and how they function and and, yeah. and the church's role in that and. It's totally out of alignment with the post-war consensus. Yeah, Stephen Wolf has been obviously a great resource for for these types of um, you know rediscovering. But like he's been quoting from Malthusius, um, you know, we always talk about the fact that you know host countries, you know, what are their obligations to the foreigner? But he's been posting stuff about what are the foreigners' obligations to their host country? You know, like not critiquing- just to sit on the welfare roll, CJ, just to accept. Yeah, aid. I mean, not being a burden, not not undermining the culture you know, doing your best to just stay silent and quiet and respectable. I mean, like you look at the hordes of invaders that are sitting on the border. You think these people are even, uh, it's even possible to conceive of them as, you know, potential, uh, you know, participants in, in, in classical American society. No, they're revolutionaries. And, you know, yeah. they have to be, you know, by, by their own cultural background, they're revolutionaries. And that's the point of bringing them in. Yeah, I, I just remember, you know, like years ago, maybe five or six years ago, uh, Tom Woods got in, in some trouble, like a huge controversy. People were angry at him because he, he mentioned how he was like, hey, I'm, you know, I, I'm out in public and there are people from another country speaking loudly on their speakerphones in a foreign <laughs> language. And I'm thinking like if I were in, in France or Japan or any country, yeah. I and, and they're speaking in the, the host country is yeah. speaks a different language. I wouldn't loudly and ostentatiously you know, speak my language for everybody to hear, right? I wouldn't do that <laughs> yeah. uh, because that's, it's rude. It's impolite and it's disrespectful to the people of that country, yeah. right? And, it, and that's just commonplace. You go to any major city in, in the US yeah. and you're going to hear foreign languages spoken loudly on the speakerphone uh, wherever you go mm-hmm. and conversations and everything else like that loudly in another language uh, just to, to show we're, we're not from here and we don't respect your way of life. I, I, I mean, I even think about my own ancestors when they, when they came over from Germany, you know, many, many, many generations ago, like six, seven generations ago, um, immediately they started learning English, right? Mm-hmm. They started assimilating to American culture and ways of life. 
right? In order to respect the people that were already there. Mm -hmm. That's just what you did. They spoke German at home. Mm -hmm. They still maintain that for a few more generations, but they spoke English everywhere else, right? That is, that is, um, that is the major difference, right? They, and so, I mean, just on the language issue is, 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 is like this microcosm of everything else, um, with everything with the with the whole issue it's like well if they're not going to speak the language they're not going to participate in you know the, the way of life of of normal regular americans but they're not going to they're going to bring they're going to yeah. bring their own culture and their own way of life and and the entire system is saying that's okay mm -hmm. right we need to accommodate you mm -hmm. right because america is just a, a you know 350 million person shopping center yeah that's all it is an industrial zone right that's what america is it's not a country with a particular way of life. No, no nations don't exist. They're evil. Mm -hmm. right? That's that's the viewpoint. That's what it is. Yep. No, I agree. And uh, you know, <laughs> like this is it, this is it's also interesting because like you know when you there's something about culture. Culture teaches your children how yeah. to be human beings. Um, you know. To, to the same extent that parents do. I mean, you have yeah. to have this reinforcement mechanism and we, we teach our children what it means um, to actually be Americans and to have that heritage. And then you take them out to society and it's like this continue like dumping ground chaos zone where everybody's just kind of doing these like chaotic third world behaviors. I mean, th that does affect you. It does affect your ability to raise children. It does affect your ability to pass on your own habits and behaviors and norms to future generations. Yeah, like um, you know, I'm here. I don't know if everyone could see. I'm 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 in the Southern Command of Contramundum. I'm in Florida, uh, on, on, with, uh, with my family this week, and um, and you know, we went. I don't know where we went. We were at at a park or a uh, Legoland. That's where we were. And my son, you know, just he, he got his ice cream cone and like the the napkin or the wrapper, whatever he like threw it down on the ground and just walked away. I'm like, no, son, we don't do that. We take our trash, we put it in the garbage. <laughs> and the thing is, like if he's growing up in a world where everybody just throws their trash all wherever they want, which is a lot of the country, especially the large cities in the country, just trash everywhere, right? What you you learn, right? Well, this is what everybody does. They just yeah, throw their trash wherever. Exactly. Right? The, the whole the whole thing of like littering is, is kind of comical, right? You, you drive like here in Florida, we're driving by a thousand dollar fine for littering on the highway. And it's like we don't have thousand dollar fines in you know Wasika County, Minnesota for littering. I mean, people still do. Uh, but you know, the trash gets picked up. People just don't do that. Yeah, right? we don't do that here. It's like we that. don't do that. Yeah, that's right. yeah caught me. <laughs> we don't do that here. You know, like yeah, like that that's that, that's what culture is. We don't do that here. Mm -hmm. And 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 the the whole point is like you you bring in new populations where they do, do that here. Right, you're changing the way of life of all of the people um, in in the country, right? And, and these are all just little little examples of it. I mean, all of it, every behavior, every way of life is radically, revolutionarily transformed. Right? Mm -hmm. That's that's what mass migration means. Yeah. That's why that's that's why people should be infuriated about it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, yeah. Ken Paxton, this is a good point. Uh, if Ken Paxton was governor. This would be a different situation. Maybe it was. Did he did he run for governor? I don't I don't think he did. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but he is he's way more hardcore than than yeah. uh, than Abbott is. That's yeah. that's absolutely certain. And 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 for that reason, they they tried to get rid of him. 
in yeah. Texas. Um, yeah. I, 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 I've tried, you know, I want, I'm, I'm curious, you know, if the people that are on the ground there in Texas and more familiar with the, the political dynamics there, like just what the role of, of Ken Paxton being victorious in his impeachment trial, mm-hmm. right? How, how that plays a role in what Abbott is doing right now. Well, obviously, that, I think, I think obviously Paxton is a strategic advisor for this. I mean, yeah. as the attorney general. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, but, but I think like just even from the, like the internal politics of Texas, right. The, the MAGA faction of Texas won, mm-hmm. right. And the, the globalist faction in, in the, the Texas Republican party and, and, and the Democrats, they lost. Well, temporarily set back. Yeah. <laughs> They're temporarily set back. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and so does that give him a little bit more runway to be more aggressive? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that's, that's, I, I think, I think that that plays a role. I think it does. Um, and, and so more of that, that's what you have to see. And, that, and this is the thing that we've said a lot is the state politics is, is at this point way more important than national politics because that machine's just going to keep on running the way it does. And even electing Donald Trump and even electing, you know, dozens and dozens of, of solid, um, solid congressmen, right. It's only going to, only going to affect things just a tiny little bit, but states actually having some sand, right? That that changes things. That's where that's where the battle actually is. That's why this is is so encouraging, right? Not going to be a civil war, I don't think, right? You can, if I'm, I don't want. I, I mean, I, I I definitely don't want to be wrong about that. And so you, people can play this back in six months if there is one. But if if there is, then we're we're people are not going to care what we thought. Uh, they're going to bigger concerns. Um, but I don't think there's going to be one. But this is the encouraging thing is that states are actually standing up and fighting, fighting mm-hmm. back against the federal government. Because, I mean, it, it, it is – it's insane. I mean, just to think about it, just if, if you went back 50 years ago and said to people, hey, the, the U.S. federal government is going to facilitate the invasion of millions of people from the third world and – Anyone who fights against it, actually, the, the Supreme Court is going to rule against them and allow them to happen, and the whole system is going to be pushing this, right? They would think, what has happened to your country? What has happened to our country? Think something has gone massively wrong, that yeah. that would ever occur, that the federal government would be facilitating an invasion. Is, mm-hmm. it, it, I mean, they, what would they call it? What word would they use for this? I think it starts with a T. Right. <laughs> treason. Yeah, this is treason. Yeah. I mean, this is it. It's not, it's not Donald Trump... Uh, you know, and the Russians buying $10,000 of Facebook ads, right? That's not treason. Yeah. <laughs> this is what's treason, right? Yeah. This is treasonous. I mean, with a capital T, that's what it is. Like facilitating foreign people invading your country is treasonous behavior. These are traitors to the United States of America. Yeah. And so um, the only way to fight it, like you're not going to fight it within the federal government. It's only going to be through means like this through the states. No, I agree. I also think that like, um, you know, the federal government has been the engine of like cultural subversion in America since the 30s. Not since yeah. the 30s. I mean, since the 30s, it, it built the infrastructure. But since the yeah. 60s, yeah. there was an actual cultural subversion. So yeah. this isn't something new. Like this is what the federal government does. It's that we're we're on the we're on the way, you know, we're way far down the road in terms of like what the federal government does to like create, you know, a cultural revolution in America. You know, we are the result of that. It's been yeah. happening since before my parents were born. Yeah. So. Yeah. Same. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's, you know, all we got to say. We'll see what, you know, later today, what the uh, 
federal government's response actually is. Yeah. But I know I know you're out of time here, CJ, and so am I. Uh, so um, and any parting thoughts on this issue uh, before we sign off? No, I, I would say um, it's interesting to see like you know the the, the tech. It's interesting to see the Texas government use language and phraseology that has come right out, out of our suggestions to him. Yeah. I mean, I like winds are changing, you know, and yeah. um, you know we're all we're all participating in it. We're all shifting shifting the mood here, and I think that's good. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, for us, uh, yeah. Well, there's there, oh, uh, actually we should we should address this comment really quick before we get going. I almost signed off. Uh, <laughs> how would you recommend combating the you want to let brown kids drown rhetoric from the left? I I would say. Why is the left incentivizing people to illegally cross the border, right? They're the ones that don't care if, if people drown. They're the ones that don't care if, if drug cartels operate in our country and rape people and murder people and hack them up to death. They're the ones that, that don't care about human lives, yeah. right? If you had a secure border, those people wouldn't be there in the first place. Right, It exactly. would never happen. That's how you combat it. Yeah. I mean, some of it is just like, um, I mean, some of it is just the meme Oh, here's some sad stuff that happened. So burn the constitution. No more, no more yeah. border. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and it's like, well, no, th this is, these are, these are casualties of this conflict yeah. of these people trying to destroy our country. And they'll, they'll, they're happy to use the deaths of people. They don't care about these people at all. Yeah. Right? It's, to, it's to view it with cynicism and not to treat it in like good faith. Mm -hmm. Right. That's, that's the way to combat it is like, you don't care about these people. You don't care about them at all. All you care about is power. And yeah. that's what they, they are means to you for power so that you can destroy our country and our whole way of life. That's what they mean to you, right? They, they don't mean anything beyond that at all. Yeah. So that, that's how you do it. Anyway, that's, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> five pictures of five children. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's 100% it. Well, I mean, that's all the time we got for today. We could, we could go on on this for much, much longer, and we will discuss we'll discuss the primary and things like that hopefully in the next the next episode. But um, cool uh, for, for this week, that's all we got. Thank you all so much. Please like and subscribe and uh, share the conversation with friends. These are these these are great episodes, great conversation to have. Thank you all for joining the chat. And uh, until next week, we will see you next time. Okay, see you later. Thank you.